Good evening. My name is Liam. I'm pleased to be bringing the Bible verse to you today. Not the Bible verse, the Bible reading. And if I'm correct, it comes from John 14, 6 to 16. No objections? Yes, I'm right. So if you want to open that on your Bibles or your phones, or just follow off on the screen. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whoever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And that is the word of the Lord. A uh, great privilege to be able to uh, share with you tonight. And um, just as we begin and your understanding of where we're going tonight, um, it won't be a deep uh, exegetical sermon. Uh, I want to give you this large overview of what it means for us as the people of God within our understanding of him to walk as those who would pray. Why do I say that? You know, the truth is amongst us as the people of God, it's one of the things that we spend little time doing. Did you know that? Amongst the people of God, prayer is one of the least exercised gifts that we've been given as the people of God, whether it's at the corporate level or the personal level. So I'm trusting that the Spirit of God will speak to us during this time in a way that will help us to see the wonder of life in prayer with God. Okay, we'll look at the, the scriptures, keep a big picture about it and look particularly at its application. I trust that God will bless it. Let's ask him to lead us and speak to our hearts. He's the one that makes a difference. Shall we pray? Our Father, it's amazing, even as your word was read to us, that those who were in the presence of Jesus saw all that you were. Your truth was revealed in him. How privileged are we to be those today who have come to know the wonder of your love for us, the wonder of your grace expressed to us in Christ. And Father, if there are any here who don't understand the depths of what that means, would you speak into their hearts as only you can by the power of your spirit? We would pray as individuals that you'd have words for us that will help us in our journey. Uh, to become more and more like our wonderful Saviour. 
Uh, may it be that throughout this time that in your good pleasure, uh, you will bring glory and honour to your name. And we pray that because of Jesus and because your spirit dwells within all who are yours. Amen. Uh, by means of uh, introduction, I want to bring to you this general perception that humanity has sought to talk to the unseen world. They have prayed. And as we move into this PowerPoint, that's going to go up. Yep. I'm used to seeing it on both screens. Isn't that interesting? Different places do things different ways. Now, there'll be an image of a woman that you'll see up behind me. As, as it comes up, I want you to see and look at her hand. Can you see her hand? It's not there. Click again. There it is. See her hand? What do you notice? There are different aspects of her fingers that have been removed. Uh, my wife and I served amongst the Dani in Irian Jaya. Uh, before 1950, they had never heard about Jesus. And they prayed. And in order to appease the unseen world, every time they wanted a blessing from their unseen masters, in order to do that, she would cut off just a part of her finger. You see what has happened because of the circumstances in her life that, that she thought how significant it was that uh, whether it's a child, whether it's a sickness, whether it's food, that in order to gain some merit, she would sacrifice that which was important to her. Uh, as the gardener, as the, as the person responsible in the family for the provision of food, uh, that was her understanding of the unseen God. Until uh, people from Australia went and shared the good news of Jesus. And everything changed. But you see, throughout all of the ages, all of humanity, all who have sought to pray, there has been certain components that are part of that prayer. There's been a recognition of power and majesty. Uh, we call that adoration. That happens uh, wherever people are. There'll be an aspect of adoration. There's been a recognition of personal failure. And so uh, we speak and we confess. And we see the truth that we are those who have fouled up life. Humanity sees they fail to reach their own God. Yet in the midst of this world, there has been also a recognition of, of, of goodness, of provision, and people give thanks in all sorts of different ways. There's a recognition that there's a need, a deep need amongst us. Various times, children are sick. There, there's crops that are failing. There's a work that we don't have. And so people supplicate. They, they ask for God. Friends in need, so we pray for them. That happens throughout the world. It's not peculiar to Christians. So what 
makes Christian prayer different? What makes Christian prayer different? So as we, we think about that, as we move to that next slide, I want you to understand it's all about our understanding of God. That's where it begins. Everything about our prayer life is predicated on the knowledge of God revealing himself. As Christians, that's the difference. Uh, we don't simply pray to an unknown God. We pray to a God who speaks to this world. A God who has spoken. He reveals himself. He reveals his plans. He reveals his purposes. That is the God that we as followers of Jesus Christ know. And our prayer is simply a response to his revelation of who he is. Does that make sense? The more that we know him, we will understand him and our prayer will reflect that. God has progressively revealed himself. If you were living back in the time of Abraham, you would know nothing of God the way that we do. Even though in his experience, it was quite different to us. That progressive revelation begins in what we speak of as the Old Testament. Uh, last week, Charlie gave some indication of the various ways, the means in which God revealed himself. As you go through the scriptures, you'll find that he used angels to reveal himself. Uh, uh, Genesis 16.10 shows you an example of that. If you go on to uh, visions, also in Genesis, you'll see that for Abraham, as God made a, a covenant with him. In dreams, as he spoke to Jacob and uh, indicated what would be the future. He also used the uh, Urim and Thummim, uh, sort of a means by which they would get a yes and a no for what they needed to do. And you'll find that in Jeremiah. Or in the midst of all the noise, he spoke to a prophet with a gentle whisper. God thunders and God simply speaks. Gentle whisper. God used miraculous signs to reveal the majesty of who he is as he led the, the people, his people, out of Egypt. And God spoke through the prophets. Those men chosen, and there were women who were prophets as well. We know of Huldah, who was in the Old Testament. God gave them a word for the people that revealed progressively who he is. Bit by bit. So prayer at that time was governed by their understanding of God. Does that make sense? Then what we have in the revelation in the New Testament is in the person and the message of Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The living son of God became Jesus. Do you know that Jesus hasn't always existed? Am I telling you a, a fib? No, I'm not. Who's Jesus? Jesus is the incarnate word. Jesus was born at a specific time. Jesus is the manifestation of God in bodily form. 
when we see Jesus, we see the Father, uh, as we had read to us from that passage. Uh, so it's, uh, it's not Jesus who abides in your heart, but the Spirit of God who lives, and, we, and we'll see that in a moment, from what he says. And with Jesus, the Word became flesh. We saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That revelation of the nature of God impacts how we pray. That is profound on, on our understanding of how we pray. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. You see, his life is a revelation of the Father's being. When we see Jesus, when the disciples saw Jesus, that was God present amongst them. Uh, the scriptures will reveal that in different passages, in, whether it's in Hebrews 1 or, or whether it's the, the definition that we find about the majesty of God in human flesh or in uh, Philippians 2, as it talks about uh, when the son humbled himself. Right? So what we want to know th that in Jesus, in his life, that was a revelation on the stage of humanity to see what God was really like. And this is what he says as a revelation of the Father's plans and purposes in John 14, 6. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to God except through Jesus. No other way. It doesn't matter if you're the best person in the world, if you have gone to all the other religious events in the world, if you have a profound knowledge of the scriptures. It only comes through a submitted relationship to Jesus. Uh, none of us, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a, 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 a denominational leader, can stand in the presence of God except by choosing to follow when God calls. There's no other way. It's the road that leads to life. He is the truth. Everything that's revealed of Jesus, everything that he says, is truth. Uh, how do we know what is truth? Well, the, the theologians will say there's only one way that you can know truth, and that is if you know everything. Is there anyone here who knows everything? Not even Daryl? And so the only way that you can know truth is when the one who knows all truth reveals that to us. Uh, that's why that which we have from God is incredibly important. Jesus is the truth and the revealer of truth. But much more than that, he is the life. Without Jesus, you have no life. You have no life. You might have physical breath, but you are uh, one who is condemned for eternal damnation. Life comes because Jesus will abide in us by his spirit. He who has him has life. You don't have life simply by coming to church. You have life because of a personal relationship with Jesus. And if there's any here who doesn't know him as their personal 
Lord and Saviour, then you will not be one at this point in time, should your life be taken, stand in the presence of God with joy. It will be uh, a sad event. His death, and he spoke to us of that as the passage was read to us, is the means through which the Holy Spirit becomes our parakletos, uh, the one who's called alongside us, the one who you might have saw was read as helper, a comforter, advocate. The word is parakletos, and it is a paraclete. You've heard of that? Some of you would have heard of that in, in uh, your reading of books. Parakletos simply means the one who is called alongside us to be our advocate, to be our encourager, to be our comfort, to be the one who will change our very life by his presence. And his death, the death of Jesus, is the only means by which that was made possible. So you and I are in this position where the, the person of the Holy Spirit is the one who makes a difference to how we live. He makes a difference for how we journey. He is the spirit of truth. He's to guide us into all truth. He brings to memory what Christ himself has said. He's the one, like believers, bears witness to Christ. The Holy Spirit is never present to glorify himself only ever present to glorify Jesus. He enables Christians to do greater works than those which Jesus himself was able to do. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. So the Spirit of God at work within us is the one who enables us in our journey of prayer. Okay? So with this general understanding of the process of revelation and here we are now in 2020 can you believe that 2020 uh, incredibly privileged how many of you have a bible maybe not like this maybe on your phone how many of you have more than one version isn't that extraordinary Years and years ago, not more than probably uh, 400 years ago, that was unheard of, that anyone would have had a, a copy of the Scriptures. And here we are today. And we have it. The revelation of God. Wow. Uh, I want to talk to you about hearing God from this revelation. Does that make sense? All right. Jesus gives a parable about four soils. Remember that one? Four soils. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he tells this parable. And this parable is critically important. There are four responses in that. Do you remember them? One was the hard soil, where the, where the word didn't even make a difference. It was plucked away. That's like the, the seed that is uh, that's spread out and Satan just takes it and removes it. The second was that which falls amongst shallow soil, grows up quickly, all of a sudden gets beaten down, sun comes out, 
or when persecution comes. And the other one was that which uh, grew amongst rocks and weeds, right? Amongst the weeds. It grows up, looks really good, and the weeds choke it out. And the final one is that which bears fruit, right? There's only one soil there. Uh, that is the soil that is open to the indwelling, abiding life of the Spirit. And that's the good soil. Jesus declares in John 15 that he is the vine, you are the branches, right? If you abide in him and he in us, then we will bear much fruit. Does that make sense? That's the truth of an abiding relationship with Jesus through faith. Jesus calls us to be his. If anyone wishes to, this is Luke 9, 23, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Uh, he makes it very clear that in order to have him reside in our life, we have to be willing to say, uh, I give myself to you as the only means by which I know that you will be the one who works within me. I can't do it unless you're the boss of my life. He must be the boss of our life. Uh, I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. Our challenge in hearing God in prayer begins, first of all, with being in relationship with God. If you're not in relationship with him, you will not hear him clearly. Now, I'm not wanting to offend uh, anyone here at all. Uh, I don't know all of you. But I want to tell you from um, my awareness of the Australian community, from the different ministry I've had, and whether that's been international, whether that's been national, uh, whether that's been in this state or interstate, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I have had those that I've worked with, uh, pastors, missionaries, who no longer, no longer call upon the name of Jesus as their saviour. And you say, how can that be? How can that be? You, you see, once we think that our life is dependent upon what we do, we will never, ever be able to do it well enough. You are saved. I am saved by grace. The wonder of a God who loves me so much that he would give his son to come and live amongst this world of sin and decrepitness in order that someone like me might be saved. How amazing that the, the Lord of glory would come and to be part of that for someone like me. You see, I don't know about you. Uh, you could ask my wife and she'll tell you, I'm a sinner. I'm a I'm a person who needs the grace of God. And, and all of us are in the same situation. Doesn't matter how long we've been on the journey. Unless we're those who, who say, thank you, God, for the wonder of your grace. I want to know you more. I want to love you more. And we've lost that. We've become a nation of consumers. People come to church for what they can get out of it. The scripture says, don't forsake the assembling together. Why? As is the habit of son. What are you meant to do? Encourage one another. Be here to encourage one another. Because the journey's tough. 
Everything's against us. Everything's pulling us away. To be those who, who, who want to be alive to the wonder of who Christ is. I'm not going to ask you, but many people want to know who God is, want to listen to him, and they've never read his word. Never read it. Don't dwell upon it. If we're saved by grace, if we're saved by him, then that grace will reveal itself by the way that we live, in our actions, in our behaviour with one another. It doesn't add to our salvation one little bit, but it reveals the wonder of a God who loves us. So you, you know what we do when we, we meet together to pray with God, to spend time with him? This is what I do. I open his word. I open his word. And I listen to it with tact. What are you talking about? Uh, this is what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. That's the T in tact. The next word is uh, admonition or reproof. That's the A in tact. C is for correction. And T is for training in righteousness. So that when we read the scriptures, when we look at his word, this wonderful book, this revelation of the character and the purposes of God, God tells us, aha, there's something he's speaking to me about a correction in my thinking about him. Here's an application that I need to look at. You see, the more that you know, the more that you show, the more that you grow. When you know him and you meet with him, uh, you will want to know him and show him more and more. It will be the truth of an ongoing journey of growth. All right, I'm going to put uh, the senior pastor on the spot. Do you like that? Ready, Daryl? All right. This is a good question. You're in trouble if you, if you get it wrong. Do you love your wife? Publicly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I love my wife. Is it the same as when you first met? Probably not as strong. Trust Daryl to do this. It's different, isn't it? And it's deeper in ways that you could never have imagined. You know, when you first fall in love with a person who will be your life partner, it's amazing to think that you could ever love someone more. And yet the more that you know them, the more that you love them, and the more things you learn in the journey of life, in ways that you would never have learnt before, there is no one like our Jesus. The more that you know him, the more that you love him, the more that you want to share your thoughts with him and listen to what he's saying to you. And this is how you can have God's word in your heart. All right? You see, it's no good just having it in your head, is it? No, it's no good up there. It's great for memory. 
great for a bit of kudos. I'll look at all these verses I have remembered. Uh, but to have it in your heart begins as you spend time in prayer to hear what God is saying. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You got it? So hear the word. Hear what he's saying. Secondly, examine. Uh, blessed is he who reads those words of prophecy and heed the things which are written in it. Examine what the scriptures have to say. Analyze. Dig deeper. Acts 17, 11 says, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures to see whether these things were so. All wonderful processes. Remember. Um, I have found it really helpful to have the scriptures as part of my very life. Uh, Psalm 119 verses 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? Answers? By guarding it according to your word. All right? Different version. Okay? Verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart. For what purpose? That I may not sin against you. Does that make sense? Didn't hide it in my head. Hid it in my heart. Not my physical organ, but the truth of what it means to be someone who will put into practice, uh, into, into my, my very actions, my behaviour, my value system. It's part of who I am. Then I think on these things. And Psalm 1, great psalm. It begins and declares, How blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on it he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. And all that he does, he prospers. His leaf will not wither. Wonderful truth. When this word becomes part of who we are, Dwell upon it. Think upon it. So how do we then listen to the Spirit of God as we're reading the Scriptures? How do we hear God subjectively within our inner man? Because if Christ is in you, then he wants to reveal himself to you personally along the way. In a general sense. These are general principles. Got it? First step, generally. He will never say to you anything that is contrary to his truth. Got it? It will be God-glorifying, not self-glorifying. He's not in the business of trying to just make you look good. At a personal level, If you know that you know what God has said for personal guidance, hold firm. Remember those first principles? If you know that God said it, I'm going to share a couple of examples so you know what I'm talking about. First one is this, and I'm going to embarrass my wife. All right? Because this, this is a personal experience, I can uh, vouch for it. Um, this happened when, unknown to my wife, uh, she was half an hour away from death from an ectopic pregnancy. 
that uh, left her, that had been undiagnosed. She was bleeding, she had had, uh, at that stage, would be over a litre of blood in her abdomen. Right? And uh, we'd been told that we couldn't have children, and uh, she had gone into this uh, operating theatre, came out and said, you're not going to believe this, but God told me we're going to have a child. And I said, yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. Before you had no chance, now you've got half of no chance. And uh, I can say today that God proved that to be true. I won't go into all the other events where that has happened, but that's out of our personal experience. Sue held on to that truth, irrespective of what her husband, uh, the pastor, told her. Got it? If God has said it and you know that you know, then believe it. Had a situation when I was pastoring a church, a little church it was, a woman whose husband was diagnosed with inoperable prostate cancer said, you're not going to believe this, but God told me he's going to be healed. Her name was Dorothy and her husband's name was Len. The next week, he went down, had his prostate reading examined, Zero. 13 years later, he was still doing well at 75. Because she believed what God had declared to her as she read the scriptures and the spirit of God made impression. And if you know that you know, not if you think you know that you know. You got me there? Don't try and convince yourself if God hasn't said it because it won't work. That's at the personal level. Uh, if you are uncertain in matters of God's revealing himself to you, proceed only if it is other-centred. And do that with humility. Give you an example. Have you ever come flashed into your mind a thought and it, you think, is that from God? And it might be a simple thing like it says to Charlie, as Charlie uh, pointed out last week, some, oh, you needed to talk to this person, which he did. Or it might say to you, it would be a good idea to ring this person up. You don't know why. There's nothing contrary to it. So you say to yourself, okay, I will do that. And later on, you find that you just happen to ring at God's appointed time. His time. Sometimes you'll never know. But as you follow, you learn to hear him better. You see, we often begin with hands over our ears to the Spirit of God. We learn as we become more sensitive and obedient to Him. Uh, and be observant of circumstantial affirmation following prayer. If you pray and you're asking God to guide you, keep your eyes open for that. Does that make sense? If you're praying, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do about jobs. You know, I have no understanding. And tomorrow, unknown to you, comes this phone call that you hadn't expected from someone. Guess what? You probably need to take notice of that. Okay? Listen to what God is saying. Uh, together, corporately. Uh, this is really important. Uh, I'll give you an example. Look for independent affirmation 
of what God is saying. My wife and I have been engaged in pastoral work and ministry uh, overseas and throughout Australia, and it hasn't always been easy to know, for instance, uh, what church we should, uh, uh, should serve when various churches have approached us. So we have this process by which I will pray quite independently, uh, my wife will pray quite independently, we'll write that down, what we believe the Spirit of God is saying, and we have confirmation when they are in agreement. Does that make sense? Uh, uh, one of the things we used to do at my previous church, we would find what the Spirit of God is doing corporately amongst the people of God. So if you spend time individually and write down the things that God is saying, that you believe he's saying for the life of the church, or you do it in groups of two or three, and there's 30 or 40 different groups that do that, and then you look at what is said, someone independently looks at it later, and he's been saying this, then you can have confidence that this is what God is saying to you as a church family. You can see the Spirit of God at work. You see, we are not only be hearers of the word, we are to be doers of the word. Prove yourself to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. And uh, this is the, uh, the, the final portion of what I want to bring to you. There are things that will limit our hearing from God. Unconfessed sin. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. If I cherish sin in my heart. Does that make sense? You will stop being able to hear what God is saying. All right? The issue is not about being sinless. It's about wanting to hang on to our sin. Not willing to be one who would say, I give it all away because I want to walk with you. I want to know you. Second, it's having idols in your heart. Ezekiel 14 declares, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Examine your own life to see if you are putting other things before him. Condition of discipleship? Deny yourself. Deny your wants for the glory of God. To, to say, I'm dependent upon you for everything I have. And he will help you in that. James 4, 3 declares that if we have, uh, when we ask and don't receive, it's because we have wrong motives. Often that it's for our own pleasures. Right? Some hindrances uh, that will stop us hearing what God is saying. Uh, sometimes it's lack of faith. Uh, the scriptures remind us, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. That's qualified in the scriptures by saying things like, if you abide in the word or in him and his word abides in you, then you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you from John 15, 8. Right? If you abide in him and his word abides in you. That means if you live the truth of that. Does that make sense? Otherwise, you're not living by faith. Faith is trusting God at his word. Anyone had uh, something bad happen to you? Oh, I, I, I'll be cheeky with you. Mustn't have been walking with God. 
Now, why am I being cheeky with you? What am I trying to say to you? All right? Simply put this way. What has God declared in his word? From Romans 8, 28. That God will cause all things to work together for good to those who... And are called according to his purpose, which is the conforming of ourselves after the image of his son. Who thought things went badly for Joseph when his brothers ended up throwing him into jail? Remember that? Remember the whole process? And what did he say? You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Can I tell you that we have a God who loves us so much that he wants us to experience those things that deepen our life in him. And we live in a fallen world that God is using the things that happen within it to deepen our faith and trust in him. Another hindrance, another obstacle is an unforgiving spirit. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. How can we be those who don't live in forgiveness for one another? If we want to know the, the truth, when God has forgiven us so much, sometimes it's lack of persistence. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. It's like a kid. I want what I want and I want it. When? Now. <laughs> and often for us, the journey of our development is through the truth that we persevere for that which we know God wants in our own transformation. Persistence is keeping on praying, even if it takes a long time to receive answers, based upon the character of God. And it will build within us his character. Uh, sometimes uh, we don't spend sufficient time with God. Even the disciples struggle. And he says, couldn't you spend time with me? Keep watch with me for one hour. For one hour. And how much time do you spend? And you can think of watching TV for the older folk. Social media for younger folk. Nah. I don't know how it works, but... Think, if you make life a journey of knowing God more and more and sharing your heart with him, how rich and rewarding it is. Ultimately, that's uh, all that really counts, becoming like him in obedience to him. And there are those with a stubborn disobedience to God's word. So declares Zechariah, refusing to pay attention, they turned their backs and covered their ears. God says, why should I listen to you? Willful rejection of God's word means that our prayers are often left unanswered. Uh, some practical matters. Negligence of the poor. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and be unanswered. Why is that? Uh, what's the character of our God? Who does he care for? He was a God who would always care for the poor, for the orphan, for those who didn't have help. And so he calls for his people to reflect his character to be those who don't neglect them. And uh, he also says in uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 7, 
that you should be very careful with mistreating your spouse. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And while this is specific uh, for husband, it shows the nature of relationship that exists, uh, that we cannot be those who would rule it over one another. Now, as we conclude, uh, I want you to think about this. Prayer, in its essence, is a recognition of an unseen world. Christian prayer is a response to God having revealed himself. And our prayer is a reflection of our knowing him and of the condition of our relationship with him. So I want to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it to me, but in your own heart. Where are you in your relationship with him? Are you living in the wonder of his grace, wanting to become all that he can, that he wants you to be, uh, walking with him? Or are there matters that uh, you want to uh, make right with him about? In your life of uh, intimacy with him in prayer, are there things that he's speaking to you about? Uh, what is it uh, that he wants to say to you? Is there another step that you need to take? What's the next step in your journey? Uh, remember, you're not going to get any extra brownie points. There's nothing that you can do to, to have God's grace and goodness on your life. You will just miss the blessings of intimacy with him if you fail to take up the opportunity he gives. Anyone got any time in this world today? Or are you too busy ploughing the fields, too busy making all the dresses at night time, too busy? You with me? What a privilege that we have as the people of God in this generation to get to know him as no other generation and to share that in ways that no one else would know. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you love us so much. It's just extraordinary. And I thank you for the opportunity that we have to hear you speak to us as we open up your word, as we spend time in the quiet places with you. As your spirit, the Paracletos, the one who comes alongside to minister Jesus in the everyday, would be the one who would grant us insight into what you've revealed yourself to be. May we walk as those who love you more and more because we begin to know you more and more. We ponder upon the depths of your grace to us, the gifts you've granted to us, the joy that is ours in knowing you. We bless you in our Saviour's precious name. Amen.